The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Good morning. It's Thursday, the 7th of September in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybet Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Anna Edwards. Coming up today, China broadens its iPhone ban to include state firms and agencies. Labour gives us their pitch on why they should now be viewed as the party of business. And homes under the hammer. UK property prices fall by the most in 14 years. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Bloomberg understands that a ban on Chinese government agencies using iPhones at work will be extended to a plethora of state-owned enterprises and other government-controlled organisations. Apple suffered its worst stock decline in a month on the initial reports of the ban. Our chief correspondent Mark Gurman spells out why investors have been spooked by the news. First, it's the Chinese uh, government that doesn't want their employees using these devices. Is there something that's going to happen next in terms of the Chinese consumer being able to buy the Apple devices? Are there going to be limits there? Is the Chinese government going to begin clamping down on Apple's ability to sell, offer services, offer retail stores, offer Apple care and support, right? So there clearly is a potential domino effect that I think investors are more afraid of rather than just lost sales to Chinese government workers. Mark Gurman points out that China is the tech giant's largest international market, while the firm also relies heavily on the country as a manufacturing partner. So this matters to Apple in a number of ways. The share price down by 3.6% in yesterday's trade, and it is a giant, of course, Caroline, of the US corporate scene. Uh, It is weaker again today in pre-market, down around 1.6%. Now, the Labour Party is making an increasingly aggressive bid to claim the Conservatives' mantle as the party of business. Speaking to Bloomberg's UK Politics podcast, the Shadow Business and Trade Secretary, Jonathan Reynolds, was clear on what he believes are the risks for companies. The policies Labour is offering across the board when it comes to the economy and to business, it is simply a far more compelling offer than anything the government have put forward. The risk premium for most businesses is a continuation of the Conservative government rather than a change to the Labour Party. And we've worked very hard at that, but obviously we need to continue to, to not be complacent, to continue that work, to work on the detail, which is so important in making these policies work. And we'll absolutely be continuing to do that. Jonathan Reynolds also discussed Labour's plans for an industrial strategy council that would have the same place in policymaking as bodies like the Office for Budget Responsibility. You can listen to the full interview with the Shadow Business and Trade Secretary on the latest episode of the UK Politics Podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you listen. Speaking about the UK economy, UK house prices have fallen at their sharpest annual pace since 2009, according to one of the biggest uh, mortgage lenders in Britain. Halifax says the average value of a home fell 1.9% in August, leaving prices 4.6% lower than a year ago when the value of UK property peaked. The findings echo those of rival lender Nationwide, whose own survey just last week showed prices falling 5.3% from their peak a year ago. Together, the reports indicate the market is now roughly halfway through the 10% slump in prices that economists, uh, some economists at least, have forecast. 
Well, speaking of which, the Bank of England's governor says that UK interest rates are near the peak. Andrew Bailey told MPs that previous hikes are still feeding into the economy. Many of the indicators are now moving as we would expect them to move and are signalling that the the fall in inflation will will continue and, as I've said a number of times, I think will be quite marked by the end of this year further. I think we are much nearer now to the top of the cycle. The pound fell to a three-month low against the US dollar after Bailey's dovish remarks. The Bank of England governor added that major revisions upwards to the official UK GDP growth uh, figure helped to explain inflation surprises in the past year. Lloyds of London CEO John Neal says insurance is growing at three times its normal rates. The exchange's pre-tax profit of nearly £4 billion for the first half of this year nearly reversed its losses from the Ukraine war last year. Neal told us on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe that climate change and other risks are boosting business. So I think we're at one of those unusual points in time where mm. risk is understood and it is, it is our job to put our balance sheet at play. You know, so what we're seeing at the moment is we're in the middle of a decade where I think the penetration for insurance, life and non-life, will double, i.e. grow at three to four times the rate of GDP. John Neal added he sees extreme weather events driving more interest in climate change insurance. Vauxhall opened the first electric vehicle-only plant in Britain today. The £100 million upgrade to the automaker's Ellesmere port plant is a major win for the government who are hoping to make the UK an electric vehicle hub. But a looming post-Brexit deadline around tariffs on car components could threaten the new plant's exports. The managing director, James Taylor, told us on Bloomberg Radio that he wants clarity on the government's efforts to negotiate an extension to the changes that come in January. Clearly, we prefer clarity further out, and depending on what happens, obviously, we will make the appropriate um, decisions. But clearly, we have confidence in the UK. As I say, Vauxhall is market leader. Stellantis take over half of the electric commercial vehicle market in the UK, and that's why we put the investment into this plant. Taylor added that the pure electric vehicles make up nearly 20% of the UK market now. He sees public charging points uh, as one of the next big barriers for the technology. Forecasters say there will be no let-up in the current heat wave gripping much of the UK. Temperatures could soar to 33 degrees Celsius on Saturday in Britain, while Europe's Earth Observation Agency says this summer was the warmest on record. Meanwhile, Texas has announced that it's now close to rolling blackouts as soaring temperatures lead to a surge in energy use. The state has declared its first power emergency since a deadly winter storm two years ago, which led to major power cuts. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. 
So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Let's get to our top corporate story this morning around Apple and China. China plans to expand a ban on the use of iPhones in sensitive departments to government-backed agencies and state companies, a sign of growing challenges for Apple in its biggest foreign market and global production base. Our markets reporter Valerie Titel joins us now with more. And it's really uh, it's hard to overstate the role that China plays in Apple's business, both in manufacturing the phones, Valerie, but also as a sales destination for around a fifth of their revenue, I think. The prospect of China souring on Apple, then, it's really jarred investors. It has really jarred investors. And and you just noted um, Apple's exposure to China. But we have to also remember, it is a big production hub uh, for Apple. It's the biggest global production hub for Apple. And, you know, we start to maybe get concerned that these uh, this uh, Chinese ban on Apple could possibly continue to expand uh, to other parts of Apple's business line. And we're seeing that kind of reaction today. Uh, European. Uh, chips or European suppliers to Apple are also in the red. Asia suppliers to Apple are also in the red. So this is really uh, jarring investors. And we just need to remember just how big Apple is, uh, how, how big of an impact it does have on the equity markets. It makes up 7% of the S&P 500. And then on a global basis, the MSCI World Index, it makes up 5%. So a, a 5% slide in Apple, which we're now seeing over two days, just with the pre-market opening down nearly 2% this morning, adding uh, to its nearly 4% slide yesterday. It's really, really uh, causing the equity markets to be a bit shaken up here. We have NASDAQ futures down some six-tenths of 1%. But this is China hitting back against the U.S. after so many American sanctions. Uh, Possibly. It could possibly just uh, be part of uh, Beijing's campaign to cut reliance on foreign technology and promote homegrown uh, products, homegrown technology. Instead, also is probably top of mind for China, the security concerns, which the U.S. has also done on their part with their Huawei ban as well and those U.S. sanctions on chips. But it goes without saying that this is just adding to the geopolitical tensions that investors now have to take into account on their exposure to China. Just what kind of risk are you taking to your business if you do conduct business in China? Do you really need to be worried about these geopolitical events because they continue to escalate? Now, on to matters macro, Valerie, and the Beige Book often sort of flies beneath the radar, doesn't it? It's called beige and often markets assume its contents are fairly beige. But yesterday was an exception and it, it underscored a number of the things we've been watching, you know, strong revenge spending on tourism and leisure uh, and, and maybe not a clear market message, but lots of really interesting anecdotal information. Uh, yes, and I think that the, the takeaway from the markets is that uh, while it did assess growth as still being modest, it, uh, it was an uptick in that growth assessment Uh, We're now still worried about these warnings on the consumer. And the Beige Book did give us a few warnings on where the consumer is headed in the third quarter. And this is what the Fed has to deal with now. Do you uh, pause this rate hiking cycle and wait for these rate hikes to have their effect on the economy? Or do you really need to see them concretely before calling an end to this rate hiking cycle? We do hear from some Fed members uh, tonight before the blackout period begins on Saturday. The most important one is... uh, 
New York Fed President John Williams, who is speaking to Bloomberg later. Anna, this is important because in his last time he spoke to the media, he talked about the possibility that rates could be lower next year. Does he continue to keep that line? Or perhaps does he look at the data? Does he see uh, Powell's hawkish comments at Jackson Hole and maybe refrain from talking about cuts in 2024? Yeah, we got that fairly uh, strong ISM figure yesterday, didn't we? We sent yields higher uh, and uh, there's a sort of healthy conversation going on in markets as to how relevant, how up to date that ISM figure is. Is it an outlier? Uh, but we will uh, we'll see that where uh, Williams falls on that kind of data point. Thanks very much, Valerie. Our markets reporter, Valerie Titel, with the latest on China and the US. Absolutely. I um, want to spend some time now, though, thinking about uh, the UK. The Labour Shadow Business and Trade Secretary uh, spent 20 minutes with us uh, talking about the party's policies, how businesses are... Uh, essentially at at more risk of having a continued Conservative government or the Conservatives winning the next general election than if the Labour Party are elected in. Uh, So this was Jonathan Reynolds. He talked to us about the long-term industrial strategy that Labour has, rebuilding uh, the EU relationship that the UK has. Uh, Also praised the CMA, the Competition and Markets Authority, uh, for its work on the Microsoft Activision deal. Joining us now is our UK correspondent Lizzie Burden to discuss. Um, Great have you with us, Lizzie? What were your impressions then? You know, we're just over a year out from the next general election. A lot of eyes this September as Parliament sits once more on what Labour might bring were it to win. And indeed, what a significant role Jonathan Reynolds is set to play in this election campaign. Keir Starmer has just reshuffled his shadow cabinet and uh, the brief of Jonathan Reynolds has been expanded. So now it includes trade to mirror Kemi Badenoch, who he's shadowing. Look, some of the key points for me from this interview, fantastic interview with Johnny Reynolds. Great that you got such a long conversation with him. Well, first of all, that Labour at its party conference is going to focus on small business. So extending the Uh, smoked salmon and scrambled eggs offensive that it's already been on trying to woo the city. Also that he sees the Industrial Strategy Council operating on the same model as the Office for Budget Responsibility. For me, I would point out that the OBR is actually incredibly small. It's only got about 45 staff and if you compare it to its uh, foreign counterparts, then the one in the Netherlands is able to cost the opposition's fiscal plans. Ours can't do that. Does Labour want to expand the OBR as well? Uh, it, it was effectively sidelined at the time of the mini budget around this time last year, you'll remember. But as I say, Reynolds taking into his brief trade as well, uh, he Uh, wants to improve the relationship with the European Union, obviously. It was good that you pressed him on how he wants to do that. So he says he wants healthy labour market mobility, so not just uh, not revisiting freedom of movement, but improving uh, cross-border movement of people, mutual recognition of professional qualifications, agreement on health checks, and he said that he wanted to rejoin Horizon, which was uh, mm. funny timing because later yesterday we had that Bloomberg scoop confirming that indeed the UK is expected to announce an agreement to rejoin Horizon. Yeah, in fact, getting that confirmation this morning then, uh, the UK Prime Minister giving the go-ahead for the UK to rejoin the EU's 95.5 billion euro Horizon science programme. So that allo- allows closer ties, uh, almost as if the Conservatives are trying to sort of neutralise that 
that part of the Labour threat, perhaps? How significant is this move around Horizon? Exactly. Labour's going to have to do more to distinguish its position on Europe when you have progress like this. It's significant because, of course, Britain was one of the biggest beneficiaries of this funding before leaving the EU fully at the end of 2020. And it was so important that officials were working on a backup plan called Pioneer, just in case the UK was shut out permanently. So it means that those close ties between Europe's top research hubs will be able to resume. And it has bigger political significance because it signifies the improved ties between the UK and the EU post-Brexit. I saw that with my own eyes in Paris, the bromance between Rishi Sunak and Emmanuel Macron. You heard it when Ursula von der Leyen called Rishi Sunak, dear Rishi. And here we have it, a manifestation of that warmth in policy we expect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, and I, I, I suppose the thing is about uh, Jonathan Reynolds, it's about the sort of waterfront and trying to, uh, of policy that they have, even if the details are not there yet, uh, you know, talking about uh, Labour wanting to secure the highest sustained growth in uh, amongst G7 nations, sort of that commitment to growth. I'm sure um, the Tories want to as well. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew Bailey's comments, though, how do they feed into this uh, conversation? Because Parliament sitting again, so a whole raft of policymakers were speaking to MPs. Yes, Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey flanked by his one of his deputies, Sir John Cunliffe, and Swati Dingra, the big dove of the Monetary Policy Committee. Look, the pound is not thanking Andrew Bailey for those comments today. It was below $1.25 the last time I checked. Clearly, dollar strength also playing a part. You talked about the ISM data with Valerie just there. The way it fell was there was a tip lower on Bailey's comments and then a dive lower were on the ISM data. But look, gilts were also the outlier in the bond market yesterday because of this dovish tilt from the governor. And the two-year now, the last time I looked, was down six basis points at 5.18%. What they were reacting to specifically was Bailey saying that rates are probably near the top of the cycle because a further marked drop in inflation is likely this year. And at 9.30am we're going to get even more data on this, the inflation expectations data the expectation is for another drop in August but these comments from Andrew Bailey, the clearest sign yet that the bank's worried further tightening could cause an unnecessarily harsh recession What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.